0: Hey folks, this is Glenn, and welcome to an all-new episode of the Man from New York podcast. As I record this, we are days away, about exactly a week from Christmas. And of course, Christmas time, people, of course, listen to their favorite Christmas songs. They are watching their favorite Christmas movie, thinking of their favorite Christmas stories. And of course, one of the uh, biggest stories is a Christmas carol. By Charles Dickens, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, the mean old guy who finds his heart after being visited by three ghosts, and I figured it would be time a good time to talk about ghosts, as you know for those who've listened to more than one episode when I'm not recording this podcast, I am a tour guide showing people around the beautiful, wonderful city of New York, and for uh Recently, I, just, uh, I was doing a stint as a tour guide for a company that does ghost tours. Now, ghost tours are pretty big, very popular in many cities across the country and around the world. Yeah. Globally, in places like London and France, here in the United States, Savannah, Georgia, New Orleans, Louisiana, which I believe maybe 6 out of 10 residents may be ghost. I don't know. Uh, Seattle, Charleston, South Carolina. ghost. And anything about it, it seemed to be a pretty big business. Probably fueled by TV shows over the years, like Ghost Hunters, and the fact that so many horror movies. If you think about sort of the like Conjuring franchise or movies like Insidious, so things dealing with ghosts and horror are a really big business. And ghost tours are a big thing. And ghost tours are sort of a gateway drug to history because you're dealing with a lot of history and folklore. And it really sort of makes you think about life and, of course, death. Now, this particular ghost tour that I've been doing, uh, we start off in Greenwich Village, Washington Square Park, which, of course, is named after George Washington. Washington Square Park is a really beautiful park. Uh, it's small compared to other parks, of course, like Central Park or Prospect Park. It has a lot of history, and for a long time, and still to today, Washington Square Park has sort of been a gathering spot for sort of counterculture or sort of bohemia-like, it's, you know, from the sort of 60s to the 70s to the 80s and 90s to now, even before, you know, the the century, really. It was really... Been a place where some of the biggest names and music and art really called that neighborhood home and really called that park sort of their hangout spot. People like Bob Dylan or Jimi Hendrix or Allen Ginsberg or, you know, Lady Gaga who went to college in the nearby area, NYU. So on this ghost tour, which starts off in the park, usually the big thing that gets people is that we, you know, I tell them that. You know, where we're standing at used to be a burial ground, which is true. Uh, The area of Washington Square Park was once a potter's field, a cemetery for the destitute. And it's estimated that there are still like over 20-something thousand bodies buried underneath the park. Which, for some people, sends a chill down their spine. Ooh, I'm stepping on a burial ground. Which, of course, you think about any really big city. From Paris to... Barcelona to Rome to you know Mumbai. Lots of places are built over burial grounds where people died because cities are these places that are constantly transitioning and transforming over the years. Now on the tour, we also visit some sort of landmarks, some places where famous people or sort of historical figures once dwelt we visit a location closely linked to Mr. Edgar Allan Poe. Of course, one of the great writers, of course, the Raven, his most famous work. And of course, Edgar Allan Poe he had a pretty interesting life, but uh he was married to his first cousin, which wasn't that uncommon in the 1800s to be, you know, married to a cousin. Now, they married when she was 13. And he was 27, which was a, little, was a little bit more uncommon even for like the 1830s or '40s. I think they actually forged her birth certificate so they could get married. So yeah, you know. But you quote historians and those who are enthusiasts of Poe's work, his wife was considered the great love of his life. And then we talk about people like Aaron Burr, who comes up on the tour. We visit a couple places that were speakeasies, which it's funny how so there were so many famous speakeasies, because you think about the speakeasy, a place where alcohol is being sold illegally during Prohibition. The fact that so many people were aware of where the speakeasies were, and so they've sort of had this a sort of charade happening, right, because a lot of times cops and other government officials Kind of knew what was happening. They looked the other way. So really, sort of all kinds of, just you know, really funny stuff, uh, dealing with that. But the best thing about ghost stories is that they sort of tap into sort of the unknown. And people always consistently ask me, "Do you believe in ghosts?" And to be honest, you always struggle with answering that question. And my most likely answer is there are things that I've seen or experienced that I'm sure there are rational explanations for. I just don't happen to know them. And I think most people can say that. And there's some people who as a they will say as a matter of fact, I've seen ghosts. I lived somewhere that was haunted. I've felt or seen some things that, you know, were right out of a movie. And the thing about I don't know. To me, there's some good things about being a ghost, and there's some bad things about being a ghost. Okay, the bad thing is you're dead, right? But the good thing is you don't got to pay rent anywhere, right? You don't have to work. You, your time is pretty much your time, and you've got tons of it, apparently. You can just, just go where you want to go. You can, if you're a ghost, you can pretty much go to any Broadway show you want to see, right? Not, no one's going to ask you for a ticket. Pretty much any movie you want to see. Now, since you're not flesh, you can't really get into good restaurants. I mean, you could haunt a good restaurant, but you probably wouldn't be able to indulge in some of the eating. So that might be, you know, a little torturous. That would definitely make me angry. If I was a ghost, and let's say I was somehow stuck haunting a really nice restaurant, and every evening I had to see people eating, you know, steak and pasta and all kinds of amazing gourmet meals and drinking sort of fabulous fantastic wines I I would that would make me a very angry ghost I would be a poltergeist I would be yanking people through TVs and and doing really violent stuff violent ghostly stuff to people so that 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 would definitely make me a very sort of angry ghost but you think about it it has to be some ghosts that are happy right? They're just chilling. They're like, yeah, you know, I'm just doing my ghostly thing, my spirit thing, just hanging out. Now, there's a particular ghost story uh, involving Mark Twain. Um, Mark Twain, of course, lived in many places. He lived in New York. He lived what we could now call uh, sort of the border of, let's say, the East and West Village in a, it's an apartment building now. By the time, it was a really beautiful home. You only lived there for one year. But apparently, uh, in the afterlife, came back to visit more than once. Which means it must have been a really nice place if you only lived there one year and you come back to haunt the Place. But this particular uh, apartment building now, uh, there was a woman who in the 1960s actually had moved in to the building. And this woman says that There were like 22 ghosts that she encountered while living there. 22. Don't know about you, but after maybe the first two ghosts, I might be out. By the time it gets to 22, I mean, you might as well just stay and, you know, make it like a a commune or something, you know, and just be hanging out. And you think about that many ghosts in one place, there has to be like a rivalry. There has to be fights happening. Where one ghost is like, wait a second, I'm haunting them this morning. What are you doing here? You don't get to haunting until tonight. You're early for your shift. And the other ghost is like, nah, I checked the schedule. I'm supposed to be here today, Uh, you know, rattling some things in the closet and making squeaky sounds. Which, of course, speaking of squeaky sounds and rattling noises, you notice how every time you watch a horror movie late at night and right before you go to bed... All of a sudden, now you, your hearing is really, really good. You begin to hear everything happening around you. You hear every little sort of shifting of wood or concrete. It's amazing how your senses sort of amplify uh, with the idea of being afraid or having sort of fear uh, instilled in you. Now, there's another ghost story uh, that sort of, it's a real life one of the most uh, really tragic things that happened in New York there was an event known as the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory was a company which produced shirtwaist. Uh at this point you may be asking me what the heck is actually in the shirtwaist the shirtwaist was what they called the women's blouse during this time period over a century ago and what made it so important is that this was the first time that a woman's sort of shirt top was separate from a dress. It made it easier for them to dress, a sort of change up outfits. It was a really popular garment. It was, as I say, sort of the yoga pants of the early 20th century or late 19th century. And this sort of became a sort of ubiquitous part of a woman's uniform or her, her wardrobe. So Triangle Showcase Factory... Produced this fat, produced these garments, and they were situated in a building in the village. Three floors. It was a spring day. Uh, apparently, someone was taking a cigarette break, and an unlit cigarette was thrown into either a bin that was flammable, wooden, or a bin having to be filled with other flammable fabrics and objects. The exact reasoning. It's still not known. But anyway, a a fire erupted. It was a horrific scene. People were trapped. Uh, Most of these employees were women. They were immigrants from Europe. And they were trying to, you know, escape these flames. And many of them were jumping from the windows out to the pavement as thousands of people in the street surrounded them. And this event sort of really captured people's hearts. Because of how it played out, Uh, this event took place over a short period of time, less than 20 minutes. But after these 20 minutes, 146 women were dead. And the youngest victim was around probably 13 to 14 years old. And this event led to sort of many changes as far as labor reform, workplace safety, because in the months before the fire, there had been big labor strikes involving the garbage industry, involving also this particular factory. And it actually, is in, there's an HBO documentary about the Triangle Service Factory, if you're interested. Uh, I think if you have HBO now or any sort of HBO on demand, you should be able to access it. But it really sort of goes into detail about some of the sort of horrific scenes of that day and some of the history in The backstory before the actual fire, and this but this is one of those great tragedies in New York that people you know, people talk, people know about it. A lot of people know about it because it's talked about in history books and history classes. But there's another tragic event here in New York City which no one really talks about, and you know, hasn't been much depicted in anything. Uh, the General Slocum, uh, sort of. I guess crashed. It basically was a ferry that crashed, and this was also nineteen hundreds early, and almost a thousand people died. And you can you can imagine that this is one of the great tragedies, and you would think something like this horrific happened in New York. Uh, it was a ferry that was going from uh, the Lower East Side, I believe. I might be wrong. I know it was going on the East River. It was either going from the Lower East Side to Brooklyn or from Brooklyn to the Lower East Side. But almost a 1,000 people died. And, but like I said, it's not something that really talk about a lot. I didn't even hear about this until I was an adult. N- when, never, not once was it mentioned in any kind of school reading or anything or any kind of museum visits. There's a memorial for it inside Tompkins Square Park. Down in the East Village And I believe the only depiction Of this horrific event uh, In a movie Happens to be a movie called Manhattan Melodrama uh, Starring Clark Gable, William Powell And that movie uh, Google Manhattan Melodrama And there's a really good story How uh, the release of this movie Led to another very famous Incident uh, in history so, you know what, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be back with some more ghost stories. Hey, Glenn here, back, and we're talking about ghost stories, ghosts of New York. You I was talking about the General Slocum affair and the depiction of it only being in the... Uh, classic movie, Manhattan melodrama, starring Clark Gable, William Powell, and Myrna Loy. Now, for classic film fans, you think of William Powell and Myrna Loy. you think of The Thin Man. The Thin Man, a very popular film franchise about a, a detective and his wife, very urbane, cosmopolitan couple who loves drinking while solving a murder or two, but... Now, I was talking about disasters here in New York, but I mentioned earlier Aaron Burr, who one could say, despite all of his accomplishments, life ended up becoming a disaster. Aaron Burr was a confidant of George Washington during the war. In the war, I'm talking about the American Revolution, not the, you know, Cola Wars between Pepsi and Coca-Cola, for anyone well who might be confused. And, you know, like during the Revolutionary War, George Washington be like, like, yo, what are we going to do? We, we might be losing. And Aaron Burr would be like, uh, we got to shoot some more Brits, or something like that. But Aaron Burr accomplished a lot, right? He would eventually become vice president of the United States. But he had this sort of contentious relationship with Alexander Hamilton, who, of course, himself a key figure during the American Revolution a man who would help sort of organize uh, the banking system and structure the economy. First treasury secretary. And their lives were intertwined on many occasions. My favorite antidote about them is the fact that both of them trained as lawyers. would represent a person together. They were co-counsels for a murder case. A young man had been accused of murdering a woman and dumping her body in a well. Well, that took water from a spring on what we now know as Spring Street here in New York. Located in the Soho area, which is known for sort of style and cosmopolitan flair. Uh, probably not so much back then. But that's one of my favorite anecdotes uh, about them. So, in the year 1804, Burr and Hamilton, after these sort of decades of tensions, decided to have a duel. Not in New York City, but over in New Jersey, where it was legal for two men who had issues to shoot guns at each other. And I think it may still be legal there. I'm not sure. So they have this duel. Hamilton is mortally wounded. Uh, He would die. Uh, Burr would become sort of a a disgrace uh, for that and for other things. Like at one point, he was part of some plot maybe to confiscate some land out west and make himself a king. But as far as ghost stories... On this tour I was doing, uh, I remember his daughter, Theodosia, she, uh, as a young woman, moved to Charleston, South Carolina, but frequently paid visits to her dad here in New York. But a ship that she was on, on her way to New York to visit her dad, disappeared, never to be seen again. And of course, there were stories that Theodosia's ghost haunted this particular location that happens to be on this ghost tour. Uh, which is home to a very prominent restaurant, as I uh, said, it's called One If I Land too. If I see actually and you know how it's a prominent restaurant? When you see lots of like black SUVs and cars pull up and you see uh young women in very expensive high heel shoes and very older men. That's that's when you know a restaurant is a good restaurant. Young women with uh, expensive high heel shoes accompanied by older chubby men. That's the number one sign of a very good restaurant. So, to particular location, there have been some ghost stories over the years. And I guess like I mentioned before, it'd be really hard to be a ghost and haunt a restaurant. But what if you were haunting a bar? Maybe you know you couldn't drink, but it might be a little bit, a little bit more hijinks happening. The reason why I bring a bar up, because speakeasies here in New York during Prohibition, right, were such a pop, was such a popular thing. And there's a place in the Village, uh which is a very beautiful block. It's called Gay Street, and the you sophomoric humor people are like, ooh, Gay Street in the Village. Yeah, 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 So, this particular street a very beautiful home. And this home once housed a speakeasy in the basement. And not only that, this house was once owned by a gentleman named Jimmy Walker. Not Jimmy Walker from Good Time, not dynamite, but Jimmy Walker, who was mayor of New York uh, during a good part of the 1920s, that period known as the Jazz Age. And Jimmy Walker was a man who sort of epitomized that era. He loved the nightlife. He liked to party. He liked to boogie, on the speakeasy floor—not the disco floor, but the speakeasy floor. And Jimmy Walker, you know, he had a mistress who he kept also in his house. And this is another place which has stories of hauntings and of ghosts, and also the gentleman who created Howdy Doody that. Wooden Puppet, which I've always found very, very creepy, but believe it or not, this Wooden Puppet was the most popular children's TV program of its time. This Wooden Puppet, perhaps, you could say was the biggest TV star in the world during this time period. So, you know, this is a stop that was on the tour, but it's just a really beautiful block, and what makes it really beautiful is that it's so quiet, which is... When you think of Manhattan and New York City, you don't really think of quiet too much. But this is really one of those streets which for some reason happens to be quiet. But the thing about telling these stories to people is that it, you know, this gets them asking so many questions. Like, why did the ghost say this? Why did the ghost do that? Or where did the ghost come from? Or... Can have you can we capture a ghost? Like no, I'm not. Do you see me with a proton pack on? You know, do I look like Dr. Peter Venkman? Hello people, come on. You know? This is storytelling, this is folklore, we're not actually busting. We don't have any containment units available. Now some of my favorite stories involving things of a ghostly nature, uh are not things actually that were on this tour, but you know maybe other parts of the city. Like everyone knows the story of the Titanic. Now, the Titanic was supposed to dock here in New York City until an iceberg docked in the Titanic. And you and I mentioned I made a Ghostbusters reference. There's that crazy scene in Ghostbusters Two When all the ghosts from the Titanic are finally arriving like almost a century later. But that's one of the things when I used to do tours on a bus going past the pier where the Titanic was supposed to actually dock. I used to tell that story. And believe it or not, I used to get sentimental. I know that's crazy, right? But I used to think about, wow, think about this is where the people from the Titanic, uh, Pier 60 this is where they were supposed to come, this is where they were gonna you know, get off, go to their hotels, have mm-hmm. nice dinners in New York and do whatever. But they never made it, except those who were rescued and were bought and stayed by a nearby hotel. But it was like, for some reason, I used to make it made me kind of sad. And that's the thing about ghost stories. To me, ghost stories are really, not so much about the scares or the jumps, but it's about remembering the past, and remembering sort of what's lost, these lost opportunities. So when me talk about something like the Triangle service Factory and all those young women who lost their lives in such a short period of time, or even when I'm talking about the thousands of bodies buried underneath Washington Square Park, and you think about sort of, you know, a lot of these bodies were buried during epidemics when the city was So many different epidemics from yellow fever to cholera to other things that we may have heard of. I'm sure whatever the uh, origins of the zombie apocalypse is probably somewhere buried in there. But I think about sort of the short lives and the, the horror lives of people buried. To me this is what ghost stories are really about. But of course it's also fun to be scared about some of these things. So. That's just a little bit of some uh, folklore. As we get closer to the holidays, hopefully you will not be visited by any ghost. Unless you're just a really horrible, sucky person, and maybe you deserve to be visited by some ghost to help you set you on your path. So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Glenn Price Man. That's Glenn with two ends. Man with two ends. Thank you for listening to the Man from New York podcast.